2: Hey, Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Welcome to the Pittsburgh Steeler Power Half Hour on Uh Paul is away this week, but I'm Chris Pugh. Um, and without pulling in check, we welcome back Joe Frost. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be back. I was sad to miss last week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those things happen, but we're glad to have you back, man. It's good to be here. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah. I guess I didn't have that much to say bad
1: about uh, uh, Minnesota. Yes. <laughs> that was really my, my problem. I, I couldn't find five things I didn't care for.
2: Well, you weren't protesting, you know, man, You know, The our, entire our concept of the state. That's
1: what I was right. protesting.
2: Yeah, Right. And it was a weird show because we actually taped it on Wednesday. The game was Thursday. And wow, what a game that was. My goodness. Um, Yikes. Oof. Kind there were a... some
1: rough times, but I'm not gonna lie. I missed a lot of the game because I had a I had some stuff going on, uh, and I I then I saw you know updates and whatever on my phone, and I was like, oh, I'm not sad that I'm missing this because it was just an absolute you know drumming, and I wasn't <laughs> didn't care to watch that much. But then later on, when I finally got home and was available to to click it on just to catch what was going on, they were in the middle of that comeback. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. This is amazing. And I was watching some really good football be played by our team. You know, I was <laughs> just happy to see something good happen. And of course, it came down to the last second and it didn't, didn't the ball didn't bounce our way. But we were watching some good football there for a while. I just, I didn't have the unfortunate experience of watching the first half.
2: It represented well how odd the sewer season has been. Yeah. Uh, you have, uh squads that were supposed to be great were rough Steelers defense. Um you had I, I mean it seemed like it was very strange. You saw the ups and downs of Chase playpole A lot of just kind of uh absent-minded plays to be polite and then he had some great catches and uh, I thought Ben had a really good game. Uh offensive line just failed him um throughout the game. And um Joe, the weird thing about it was near the end of the game they were making the comeback. They were having trouble with the center snap. Like Kendrick Green was having trouble getting the ball back to band on the shotgun and everything else. This is
1: and- a trend over the past couple of games, though. It's been it's yeah. been tricky. He's been launching that ball with regularity. Like this is not just a oh every once in a while you get a live <laughs> a real live uh, snap. It's every play. Those snaps are coming in high. And I don't I don't know if if somehow in communication with Ben, Ben likes it to be a little bit higher then I think while we're watching it, we think it's super high. I don't know if Ben's asking him to do that, but man, some of them are just
2: way tall. Well, he's not putting it where Ben wants it to, because there's a lot of times, even in the second half when they made the comeback where Ben appeared frustrated about where the ball was coming in and everything. Uh, I bring all that up just to say, Amazing that they were able to make that comeback Absolutely. when there were still things going wrong. When Chase made that bonehead play on the final drive. when I, And so we'll talk at the end of the show about our expectation for, for the Tennessee game. And who the heck knows? I mean, it could be a big win. It, it could be a rough day. Uh, it, it's just kind of like a wild up and down of the Steelers season. Uh, we'll see what happens. But first of all, let's get to what brings us together. A you know, Very confusing, strange, up and down here. Uh, just making fun of other teams that we play and cities that we play. And Joe, it's time to beforehand. This show's going to be a little tough for me because I like Nashville. Um, my family's been there a couple times, um, have family in the area. Um, it's kind of a cool city. I mean, I like pop culture. I like music. Uh, You get a lot of like gospel music. You got a lot of country music down there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a very cool, trendy city. Um, But Joe, we got to keep to what we've been called.
1: We got to do what we got to do.
2: Right. Right. And and there are a lot of things that we have to say. Um, First of all, the thing that kind of jumped out at me was uh, back in 2008, uh, the Titans were um, storming to the top of the AFC. Uh, they played the Steelers at the end of the year, uh, and they beat the, beat up the Steelers pretty good. Uh, Chris Johnson had a really big game. And at the end of the game, uh, a couple of the Titans, most notably guys like um, Keith Bullock and lindell White, who was the back, backup running back at the time, were stomping the terrible towel. And, Joe, you know when you stomp the terrible towel, bad things happen to you. So – we don't like Lyndale White and Keith Bullock for sl- stomping the terrible towel, but justice prevailed. Uh, the Steelers came back and won uh, later on, and they beat up on the Titans. Uh, what do you think about people who dare step on the terrible towel and, and abuse it? That's not good.
1: I know that there is some psychological advantage that they're trying to bring for themselves. You know, as as players, it's one thing I can think for players; it's another thing I think for fans who are trying to, you know, uh rally the the spirit of the team. Um I'm not a big fan of of uh, of players doing that. I've not been a fan of the the uh <clears throat> the even the, some of the things that Steelers players have done in the past dancing on logos and whatever else that you might do that just ends up being uh bulletin board material for the other team. I just think that's kind of It's kind of silly. I understand why it happens. I don't know why people do it. I don't necessarily think that it's just childish or whatever, because there's that attitude and that psychology that goes into it, but I'm not personally a fan of it. I don't think it's a great great thing to do. Uh, So, yeah. I just think you're you're calling down something that you probably just don't need to mess with. Like, just go out and play your game. Uh, So... Yeah, all around, I don't really care for that kind of thing. So the fact that, uh, you know, they've done that disrespect to the terrible towel and then, then there were repercussions that came quickly soon thereafter, uh, I, I feel good about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tit-
2: yeah. Well, i was just going to say the Titans lost six straight games right after they had that terrible towel stomp, including a – uh, week one loss at sealers the week after so yeah i mean let's get mad at those guys for doing it but you know i'm glad justice prevailed you know it wasn't like don't mess Titans with the terrible towel
1: you're yeah. just calling it down you don't need to call down the thunder of the thing on the high atop the place
2: yeah well, <laughs> and, you know those guys didn't have a, a good career and everything so they talk about the curse of the terrible towel and yeah it's true man don't yeah. mess. Uh, but we yeah. hate that
1: they did it anyway you know right. they they got their comeuppance, but at the same
2: time, it's really annoying that they did that. So
1: it's worth hating.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, and then you've seen that too, uh, T.J. Hushmanzada for the Bengals. He made the mistake of he made the uh, mistake. stepping under the terrible towel. Yeah, and, and he paid for it too.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it has not gone well for teams that teams or players that have disrespected the terrible towel.
2: And I haven't seen it happen since then. Or like today's players looking back at that and saying we shouldn't mess with it or are players not paying attention to history.
1: I don't think people are avoiding it on purpose. I think right now right now there's not any, you know, beefing up that anybody needs to do psychologically to, to come into a game with the Steelers, because the Steelers have been not been playing consistently. So if you know you don't you don't need to uh, you don't need to go in and get an extra umph in order to to, to psychologically feel like you have a chance against okay. a team like the Steelers right now.
2: Well, that's such but a if som- you had
1: to do something, if you were going to go in and you had to face, I don't know, the, the, the Chiefs from a couple of years ago where they were just absolutely unstoppable on a roll all the time, you just need something to beef yourself up in order to be able to go in and feel like you got a, ch- a shot at it. And that's where the Steelers have been, and that's where they were back then. And so you stomp on a towel, and it does not go well for you.
2: Definitely. Well, well fair enough. Well, let's move on to another reason why we dislike, um, you know, the city of Nashville, I guess, and uh, the Titans, Um, you know, love the pop culture of Nashville. I love the um, music scene, everything um, mm-hmm. on Joe, Paul, and I, we have another show on the one where we talked about a crazy night at Kid Rock's uh, bar. And I won't get too much into the details about it. Oh, yeah, that. we
1: don't need to get into the details of it. But we did a story that actually came out of Nashville. And right. there's a lot of stuff going on. They've got some really cool, uh, they've got a really cool uh, nightlife scene. The, the All of the recording and the music that's happening in the city is amazing. Uh, whenever I'm traveling north from you know, down south where I'm at now and i am headed back home, I always go through Nashville. Oh, it's yeah. a really cool town. I usually stop. Uh, that, that's a good place to stop and get something to eat and whatever on, on my route. And there's a, one of the greatest bookstores. Uh, uh, it is right there in Nashville, on the west side of Nashville. And I'm vamping right now because I'm trying to remember the name of it. But since we're they're not a sponsor, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> there's well, a great guess, bookstore there I stop at every
2: time. Well, I guess a broader point of what I'm trying to say is, hey, there's a lot of great things we can say about Nashville's culture, music, uh, fun stuff and everything. Is Nashville really a sports town, though? Um, Nashville in the past, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 years, like when the Titans moved from Houston up to Nashville, now they have an NFL team. Um, They just got a soccer team, an MLS team. Uh, The Nashville Predators have been in town, uh, the NHL team. So you are starting to see more professional teams come to Nashville, where it just wasn't the the case in years past. But honestly, Joe, from a winning tradition to a uh, what the culture is, I can't tell. I don't think Nashville's a sports talk town, is it?
1: I don't know. I mean, when you talk about the really great sports towns that are, uh, around the country, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that Nashville rises into the top ten of those great sports towns where the team is everything, and you know, uh, it just doesn't seem no, <laughs> It doesn't feel like one of the great sports towns in America.
2: And uh, to the Titans' credit, they have had a pretty good team throughout this stint. Absolutely, they,
1: they play hard, and you know we've had to respect the run there for for quite a while with 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 uh, Derrick Henry, but,
2: but he's not, not playing
1: this week. But you know.
2: Right, but I don't look at Tennessee as, wow, what a great sports town, what a wonderful uh, place. Now, I know in uh, in Pittsburgh, we should know this because the Pittsburgh Penguins won a Stanley Cup over Nashville a few years back. And Nashville got a little crazy then. Um, You know, they were very much into their hockey team, but it seemed to be like a one-year thing like, wow, the hockey team's doing well. Let's support them. Right, when they're they're doing
1: really well, you don't have the rabid fan base that is still still packing the place out even when they aren't fighting for a championship every year.
2: Right, right, definitely. Um, Yeah, so I I just don't get that feeling, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, it's a college town, and I say that very quizzically uh, because the big college there is Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt... um, you could say a lot about the educational stuff that's going on in Vanderbilt, but it's definitely sure. not known for its not a great sports ability either, especially when it comes to football. No. Yeah. No. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. So, yeah. <laughs> so, again, we're talking about Nashville a little subdued because we'd like Nashville from a pop culture sense, from the music sense, but where is it at from a sports sense? I, I don't see it as being a sports town, so let's take a break. We'll be back um, on the Behind the Seal Curtain dot uh, com's Pittsburgh Sewer Power Half Hour podcast. Uh, We're we'll taking a break. We'll be right back. Woo! hey Pittsburgh Sealer fans welcome back to the Pittsburgh Sealer Power half hour on behind the um, podcast network uh, we're talking about Nashville um, and like I said a little different I like to say of Nashville I don't get why they call themselves a sports town. I don't get some of the um, arrogance by the Titans because they haven't been there they haven't done that uh, they've always been a decent team. But they haven't had the tradition or the overall winning championship, um, you know, pedigree of the Steelers. Um, and then also, we talked about culture. It's great. I mean, you know, Joe and I were talking for a couple of minutes about the great culture options in Nashville. Where's that in sports? I mean, I guess you can go to I mean, the Nashville Sounds, I, I believe, is the Cincinnati Reds Farm Club. You can watch them play. You can watch soccer games. But it's not a sports town. It's just more of a culture town. Um, and I don't get why some um, Nashville fans are like, oh, we're a great sports town. No, you're not. You're a really cool culture town. Leave it at that. So uh, let's, <laughs> let's get back to our list. Um, Well, and, you know, before we get there, one of the things that really struck me was, remember a couple of years ago, the NFL actually hosted their draft in Nashville. And I can't remember if it was with you guys or another podcast that did. uh, We laughed because there was a huge story in Nashville that weekend where um, a lot of um, bridesmaids go there for a, um, you know, like their wedding, their bachelorette parties and everything. Right. They didn't realize the draft was there that night. So there's a lot of controversy downtown because these girls are like, hey, why are all these people here and why are these guys marching across the stage? If you're a sports town, even if you don't like football, you people should be are- like, oh wow, it's NFL draft weekend. Oh this- yeah, they're not gonna
1: lose track of that. Yeah,
2: they're like, what? <laughs> why are people wearing football shirts? Why? What? You know, you cannot have a sports town if you if you got that problem. You know.
1: Exactly. You just wouldn't lose track of something like that. You'd be be aware, and probably you would be making the conscious choice to go and do that as part of your bachelorette party, because you are a sports fan, because you live in a sports town.
2: Well, even if you hated it, let's say you just hate football, you could still live in a sports town, but just don't be stunned when it happens. Say oh, all these people are here, it must be NFL Draft Weekend. I hate it, but hey, it's the NFL Draft Weekend. They had no idea. It'd be like if you had the draft in South Korea, maybe doesn't understand football, and you're like, what? What's going on here? What is this
1: thing? Why is it here? I have other things I need to do.
2: Yeah, if you're looking for a creative headline for um, this podcast, put down Nashville is the South Korea of the NFL. Well,
1: don't put that down. Please don't quote us on (laughs) that.
2: Well, we said South Korea. It would be different if we said North Green, Yeah. All right. So let's go to number one. Um, you know, I can't blame Tennessee for this. Uh, last year, uh, the Steelers had Bud Dupree. Uh, what a great um, outside li- linebacker co- combination between T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. They both played off each other. Devastating duo. Uh, we started to get the feeling near the end of the year uh, Bud got hurt. Uh, Bud was out for the year. And you knew that boy, outside linebackers come with a really high price tag. And just with the um you know side cap issues the sewers were having last year, as sewers fans, you know, people sensed Bud wasn't gonna stay at the Sewers, he was gonna go elsewhere. So it wasn't a great shock that Bud left. But man, Tennessee and Nashville, you store Bud. Uh I, I'm frustrated that we don't have Bud Depree. Uh, with the Steelers um, here at Steeler Nation. We feel this clock of loss here. And even though, hey, I knew he was gone, I'm mad that Nashville took him. Are, are you upset that Nashville has our Bud Dupree now?
1: Yes, and primarily because, I, I you know, as much as we've been paying attention, we're podcasting about the, the Steelers, and we're talking about the NFL every single week and reading and doing research and listening to things. And I can't really remember having heard Bud Dupree's name mentioned very much nationally news wise certainly not nearly as much as he was being mentioned last year when he was on the Steelers there was a lot of good buzz about him and I just I'm I'm so tired of the Steelers not being able to afford to keep these guys they go away to some other team you know they do well on the Steelers go away to some other team and then they just don't have the impact on another team and another defensive scheme working with the same with different group of guys they're just different players, and uh, I, what it, what's always gratifying is to see a couple of years later after this contract has, has worn itself out, he makes his way back to the Steelers and uh, revives his career a little bit because it was part of the scheme, and he was a guy who yeah. understood and knew how to work within what it is that the, the the Steelers are doing on the field. I feel like that story happens quite a bit for Pittsburgh.
2: I know he was hurt, and I'm actually hearing a report that he might come back for this game. Um, So, you know, he's had injury issues this year. Um, It's tough. I mean, I understand outside linebackers in today's NFL get paid a ton. And Alex Highsmith hasn't had a terrible year, but there is a difference between Alex Highsmith and Bud Dupree. And, you know, I always think about what could have been if for some reason he could uh, keep him. But, you know, Joe, to be honest, if they had to pay – uh, TJy Watt a lot because you know TJY has done great things. I don't think, sorry, Capo, I think you could afford to uh, pay TJY Watt and Bud Dupree what they deserve because they were at, definitely at the top of their game. But again, it, it's like an old girlfriend. You understand they moved on. You you're okay with it, but you're like, oh, you moved on, and you you get frustrated at the. The guy that the, the girl's with now, yeah. I mean, you know they moved on. You understand why, but it still, is kind of frustrating. Yep. Yeah. So, but but the like the girlfriend that got away. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All kinds of great uh, headlines you can put with this podcast. He's still he's
1: still very pretty.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very very pretty. Um. Another thing that was kind of interesting that we could talk about. Um. You know, Joe, I never was a fan of the Houston Oilers, but they were always interesting to watch. Um, I was—I missed the Earl Campbell days um, I, when Earl was in his prime. But you know, the Oilers used to have like Earl Campbell, and when I was growing up, the Oilers had that run and shoot, you know, type offense with Warren Moon and uh, all the receivers they had, and it was always an interesting team to watch. A little intimidating. Uh, they played their home games at um, the Astrodome. Uh, the Astrodome wasn't always the most well lit stadium; <laughs> it was a little intimidating. Um, Joe, I don't know if you remember uh, when the Oilers used to score touchdowns. They had this uh, weird theme song where they had like uh, this bull, you know, growling, and they played the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Uh, it, it just kind of got in my head after a while. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I was a little bit intimidated. I mean, uh, you know, Sewers had some tough times against Warren Moon. Uh, they had some great wins of Warren Moon, but it, was, it wasn't was always easy against the Oilers. Uh, I thought overall they played better against the Oilers, but the Oilers got their numbers sometimes. And I'm not feeling – I understand this is going to be a tough game on Sunday. I'm mm-hmm. not saying – and it could be a game that Sewers could easily lose. But I don't feel that intimidation – now that I do, when the Sears used to play those old Houston Oilers teams, the Titans just don't intimidate me as much as the Oilers once did.
1: It was it just the powder blue? Was that was what was intimidating to you?
2: I, I don't know what it
1: was because yeah, the oil Derrick that was on their helmets.
2: Why? Well, maybe it was more of the players itself. I guess. I mean, maybe. You, know, you know, yeah, tough offense. Um You know especially when the Steelers had those horrible offenses in the late 80s. You know, it was hard to outscore the Warren Moon-led Houston Oilers. So, I mean, there there were some tough times there. I just, even when the Titans have been good, I just don't feel that intimidation. And you're right, the Oil Derricks and the Power Blue uniforms aren't like, oh, these are scary, but more of just the the players and everything. I mean, Jared Glanville was a tough guy. Um, You know, it it just went all throughout.
1: But that was the same era as the – uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the with the light orange, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: so that was I mean, that was the, the 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 league that they were all playing in was a little bit lighter back in those days, except for the Steelers.
2: What well, you guys Raiders as well. And again this is before my time so I, I can't I recall a lot of Earl Campbell games. But Earl Campbell is a tough dude. I mean, you know, we talk about Derrick Henry and yeah Derrick Henry is one of the top NFL running backs but uh, even though I haven't, uh, you know, seen a lot of um, Earl Campbell in action, uh, I'm a little too young for Earl Campbell, but still, Earl Campbell's a tough, tough guy. So,
1: yeah. So you felt like there was the Oilers of old were more intimidating than than the than the current Titans,
2: right? And, and to me, I, mean, I, I don't know what it is. I mean. Even when the Titans have good teams, I say, boy, I think the Steelers could knock them off. Where in the past, there was sometimes like one of my all-time favorite Steelers games to watch, and this might have been a little bit before you were a Steelers fan, I believe it was like 89 or 90, maybe 91. Uh, the Steelers went into Houston. They were like 9-7. It was a wild card game. They played the Oilers, and it was um, warm moon time and everything else. The Steelers had Bubby Brister. And somehow they, you know, Merrill Hodge had a great game. And the Steelers ended up beating Houston uh, on a, a miracle Gary Anderson field goal at the buzzer. And, you know, it was such a fun game to watch because you, you we walked into that game thinking there's no way the Steelers are going to beat Houston. You, you know, Bobby Brister is going to out outshine warm moon or anything. And it, it was just fun to see that. So, I mean, there were definitely games that as a Sewers fan, i would walk into going, there's no way they can beat the Oilers. I never get that sense. against the Titans. And again, maybe it's. I always, it's a, I always have the sense that it's going to be,
1: I always have the sense that it's going to be a tough game. Right. And I, and I would say comparison wise an oiler as a logo, as a mascot versus a Titan, I, I hands down, Titan. The change to the Titans was way better than sticking with right. the Oilers. Not the, <laughs> no, I mean, even beyond the fact that it didn't make any sense because they were no longer in Houston. But, uh, but the Titans, I think, is a far superior team logo.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not freaked out about the old Derek and the powder blue isn't, you know, very intimidating. we just see you how know, players, War Moon, Earl. No, know those, those guys. Uh, are
1: the tough. the oil is very scary.
2: Yes. Especially when it gets really expensive. That's when it gets scary. Oh
1: yeah. You just start thinking about what you're paying at the pump and that's terrifying.
2: Here's another thing I'm thinking about, and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. Vanderbilt, nice, great educational school. Definitely in college, it's not all about your football team. Um, so there's a lot of good things happening in Vanderbilt, but if you follow college football, Right now, the SEC is like a – it's like monopoly. They want every big school. You know, they, They're bringing in Oklahoma. They're bringing in Texas. Um, you know, who else? So it was it Texas AM and joined and everything? So, you know, they're trying to bring in all these big-name schools. There was some talk that they may, may even go after some Big Ten teams when there was some uncertainty about if the Big Ten was going to have a year or not. So the SEC, it's this big power play conference. Big schools coming in, you know, only the best in the SEC. And they have Vanderbilt, who has never been a good SEC team, has always been a, a bottom uh, cellar dweller. I, I think the only time Vanderbilt actually had decent SEC team was if you remember uh, the great Jay Cutler played there. Uh, but I think at best uh, he made Vanderbilt like a minor bowl team. So what's up with Vanderbilt, Joe? Being the SEC, Does it doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, it, it just really doesn't. Uh, you, you start going through, what are all the teams that are part of the SEC? You know, and you're going through, you know, the 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 ones that are named after the state. You know, the University right. of and blah 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 state, and then you come across the Vanderbilt Commodores, and you're like, what? What is happening? Why is this? It doesn't make any sense. But I think the the SEC people are very, you know, they're loath to get rid of Vanderbilt because wins in the within the division of the SEC are sometimes hard to come by, and and you know, you don't want to pass up an easy one. I, you can't always play people who are, you know. <laughs> tier two schools from the middle of nowhere and get an automatic win. So you keep, you keep Vanderbilt around so you can get a win.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And I I think maybe it's a nice recruiting when they try to get more schools, because like, if you bring a Texas and Oklahoma in, I mean, you know, it's going to be, you'll get a win
1: against Vanderbilt.
2: Right. Well, it'll be rough if, like, Texas goes into the SEC and they finish in last place. I mean, I know Texas understands they're not the football team they used to be. But, you know, it always hurts your pride if you go to a new conference and you're last. So maybe the SEC is keeping Vanderbilt there to say, hey, don't worry, Texas. Vanderbilt will be last. You know, Oklahoma, Vanderbilt will be last. Very you don't least. have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there will always be somebody worse than you are. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the SEC tells Vanderbilt. Maybe South Vanderbilt
1: Carolina around and yes. Tennessee.
2: Yeah. And maybe Vanderbilt says it to themselves. They're like, hey, come on in. We're, we're here. We're not going to be good. We only get Jay Cutler once every 30 years or whatever it gets. Be. So it's kind of tough. <laughs> All right, well, let's finish this thing off. Um, yeah, let's talk about this game. Um, you know, Tennessee is still playing well. Uh, They're in that top four um, teams um, in terms of divisional leaders right now. Uh, If they ever got Derrick Henry back, you know, man, this could be a team that could challenge for a Super Bowl. But, you know, there's no Derrick Henry on Sunday. And, you know, the game's at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh's a very Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde team. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can see this going – much like the Vikings game, even without their country I mean, you know, Tennessee could rip them to shreds. But I, I'm almost seeing this going like the Ravens game, Joe. I'm an optimist. I think Pittsburgh was kind of embarrassed last week. Uh, the Steelers are going to have some players come back. Um, I'm hearing some of the linemen that were um, hurt are coming back. Uh, I don't think Joe Hayden's coming back. I I think maybe they're having some hope for him. Uh, Remember, we're taping this on Wednesday. Who knows? It could be different by the time we get to game time. And, you know, the best thing that could happen for the AFC and the Steelers was, you know, the Ravens lost to the Browns, the Bills lost. So, the Steelers, for as rough as they play sometimes, they're still in it. They're still in the playoff race. They're still um, kind of on the outside looking in, but they're still lie for a division title. And I'm not saying the Steelers are going to win out, but I think this being a big game at home, they're trying to get that bad taste of WAP and Minnesota out of their mouths. I see Pittsburgh winning this 24-23. A little bit of an upset, but it being at Pittsburgh, I think it's going to happen. Now, I know Paul Yanchek is not able to be here. Uh, he's probably falling over and going, Chris, what, what are you saying here? They're not going to win, but I think this is a, a game they could win, much like what happened against the Ravens. Joe, uh, what do you think?
1: I do think it's a game that they could win. I almost feel like twenty four twenty three is is a little. It might be too high. I think it's going to yeah. be a lower scoring game than that. That's just that's just my sense. Um especially with the number of defensive players coming back. I think they are going to do a better job of, of, of shutting down Tennessee's Tennessee's offense. I, I I'm, that's just my hope. Um, <clears throat> I think the key is always is, is mistake free football. Don't be uh, handing over the ball. <laughs> we keeping the turnovers down to nothing. We'll put everything in a good position uh, being a team that can actually come back and make a game out of it when they're down 29 to nothing, uh, that's nothing to scoff at. Like that's, there's still some, some quality happening on the field for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their defense won't play as bad as they played last week. I just I don't, I don't feel like that will happen two weeks in a row, and I don't feel the confidence in Tennessee's run game right now to embarrass the Steelers defense the way that they got embarrassed in Minnesota, so uh, and plus, I mean, I know it's it's not Henry who's um, in the backfield uh, this week, but the the Steelers have done a good job of of handling their business on the in the run game against Tennessee. Now that's also that includes just the the schemes that they use and the way that they use their offense. The Steelers defense has done well. Against them, the Steelers are on a three-game win streak against the Titans. Uh, I feel like there's a good shot of that happening, and I think it's necessary because the Steelers, with four games left, um, they really need they really need at least three wins. Uh, they almost they almost need to run the table in order to be able to make this. And with a game against the other games against ten uh Kansas, Kansas City, uh, Cleveland, and Baltimore. This game really is the one that needs to be the, okay, let's put this game behind us, take care of our business, and, and then move on to the tougher games. Not that they're an easy team to beat, but they're a team that, that Steelers can beat.
2: Yeah, Steelers got the Browns at home, the Ravens on the road, the Chiefs on the road. And hate to say it, I'm thinking maybe you got two wins out four, but this has potential of being a win. And, you, you know, even if it doesn't turn out to be a win, Enjoy it while you can. Um, you know, we, we're not sure about uh, Ben Roethlisberger, if he's going to be around for another year. Enjoy it. You may not have this for a while. Enjoy what you got, Steelers fans. It should be good. Hey, I've been challenged by the great Brian Davis. Um, before we go, um, we want to give shout outs to some of these other shows that are on the Behind the Steel Curtain Network. Um, Yes, we definitely want you to listen to the Pittsburgh Steelers Power Half Hour. But I want to give a shout-out to the Fantasy Football Fix uh, with uh, Jeremy Betts. I got to tell you, I'm not paying attention to Jeremy this year, um, Joe. And because of that, my fantasy football team stinks. So if you need help for your fantasy football team, check out the Fantasy Football Fix with Jeremy Betts. Uh, He's going to tell you who to pick up, who to start what Steelers to start, and what Steelers not to pay attention to. So check him out. And also check out um, the show that comes on Wednesdays, uh, Know Your Enemy. Um, When I first heard about this show, Joe, I'm like, who is my enemies? I was thinking about uh, people I didn't get along with in high school and whatever the case might be. But, no, we're talking about the opponents the Steelers play as the enemies, as uh, Jeffrey Benedict and – a company um, kind of hang out and, and Michael Beck. I almost forgot the name. Uh, they hang out and they talk about the Steelers, and they'll always have a reporter from the opposing team to kind of lay the groundwork of what Steelers fans can expect. Uh, this week they had a couple guys on who covered the Tennessee Titans. So, yeah, check out the shows. Check out everything on curtain.com. Lots of great coverage, lots of great articles. Uh, it, it really is your one uh, stop shop for uh, Pittsburgh Steelers coverage. All right. Well, Joe, uh, as always, um, thanks for coming on. Uh, We'll get ready for a big game this weekend. And as we approach the final quarter of the regular season, hopefully the Steelers can uh, put a run together. Uh, Have a great night, and thanks for checking out the Pittsburgh Steelers Power Half Hour. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.